and welcome back. We are doing another Taking It Next Level. We're pumping them out in 2020. We love it. Tom is here. You're looking great, Tom. Well, so are you looking at I have a feeling, I have a gut feeling this podcast is going to take it to a whole nother level. Well, you know what? We are, I mean, we, we've been very, very fortunate and we have an excellent guest today. Yeah, we do. Um, DeAndre Wells. Just in the bio alone, oh, I know this man. is going to be a good one. He's got he's got a great story to tell. We've had some really great stories. We have. Um, this All, year. And, and different, and di- just different, different capacities yes. of life and walks of life and different careers. Absolutely. Experiences. Negative and positive. Absolutely. And a lot of those negatives turn into positive. They do. Right? Yeah. That's, that we've heard that a lot. That's where you learn from, That's where you learn about life, right. flipping true. negatives Very and true. positives. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, we're, we're excited to get, get going on this. You know, we're, we're recording from the Wagoner Financial Studios as usual. You know, I haven't mentioned Wagoner Financial for a couple of episodes. So I want to make sure that, that we talk Wonderful about our people. friends, yeah. fantastic people. You know what? You need uh, investment help, retirement help. You need to talk to the folks at Wagoner Financial. They're great people. Check them out, wagoner-financial.com. Uh, Tom, I can't wait to talk to DeAndre. No, this is going to be great. Yeah, let's jump into it. And we are back. We have DeAndre Wells with us here today. Uh, U.S. Army Sergeant Retired. Is that correct, DeAndre? Yes, sir. That's right. And Well, we he have... sounds military. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, <laughs> Tom, here's the thing. Is that... He is he is he is classic military guy like all the positives yeah. that you hear about through and through. He was here waiting for waiting for us fifteen minutes ahead oh, of time. Of course, yeah. So I was basically late. I'm sorry. I had to make sure all the comms were working. I had, yeah. you know, I had to make sure we were good to That's go. That's right. So do I have to run sprints after this podcast? Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so we we got Tom. Tom, we're here. We're talking with DeAndre. DeAndre Wells, he's a um, you know he's a hometown guy here, yeah, East Lansing, East guy. Lansing guy. Um, you know, like I said uh, a couple episodes ago, I'm not doing this on purpose. We just have a lot of really hey, why interesting not use folks. Your resources, you know? man. Uh, I know. And so um, DeAndre, like I said, he's a retired military, a U.S. Army. Um, he's where are you living now? Yeah, so I'm in Baltimore, Maryland now, living with uh, my wife and two daughters. Oh, fantastic. And he's doing some really great stuff. Um, so before I I take all the time talking about him and and praising him, I'm gonna let him talk about himself for a little bit. Okay. DeAndre, t- tell us a little bit about about yourself and what you're up to right now. Yeah, thank you, Luke and Tom. Thank you both for inviting me on the call, and I'm excited to have my voice go over the airwaves of Lansing, Michigan, my hometown in East Lansing. Um, so I um, graduated from East Lansing High School in 1997 and um, played college ball after that with uh, Eastern Michigan and Northern Michigan University. Coach Smith was my uh, coach, high school coach in both track and football. And um, my grandfather is uh, Coach Jim Bibbs, head track coach, 25 years at Michigan State University. He's now in the um, Hall of Fame at Michigan State and the National Coaches Hall of Fame. Um, and, um, from, from Northern Michigan, I went on to join the army. I actually went on to play football at Northern and I wasn't, I wasn't ready to, I tell people full-time athletes, scholarship athletes is a full-time job. You know, you have to be ready to do the books and ready to, uh, you know, have practice on schedule, um, and, and study playbooks on schedule. And at that time I was, I didn't have the discipline. And so. Um, I, I, I joined the Army for discipline purposes, and boy, did I get it. Um, when I joined, uh, it was right before 9-11. It was 2000, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So my recruiter said, hey, you know, well, 
will put you in a status of um, 09 Bravo, which is an unspecified MOS. So basically, after training, I would get get an opportunity to choose which direction I was going to go. And so they sent me to Fort Leonard Wood, where they train military police and uh, combat engineers. Um, so I had the best of both worlds there and got through basic and stayed there for AIT. And after AIT training, I went to airborne school. Um, and air, from airborne school at Fort George is when I was uh, stationed with 5th Special Forces Group out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And 5th Group is um, a high um, drive driven, if you will, uh, unit that's constantly deployed to the Horn of Africa. And so um, we were gone six months every out of the year, every year on rotations. Um, and here I am fresh out of college, just joining the military, fresh out of training, coming from airborne school and looking to do um, what I thought was best to, to, to be a disciplined guy. And uh, what, what's know, the, what's the time frame during this period? So this was 2000. Okay. And, um, and uh, 2001 is when I had just finished training. And I was in training when 9-11 hit. Wow. And so, you know, of course, many of us were like, well, you know, here we are now. We're, we're going to be sent off somewhere. I was sent to airborne school because I had already signed up for it at that time. Um, and so, you know, it was my responsibility to follow through. After airborne school, uh, again, because 5th Group is an airborne unit out of, out of Fort Bragg at that time, they, would make, they moved from Fort Bragg to Fort Campbell. Um, and during this time, they were in theater in, in Afghanistan and in um, Iraq. So um, they were needing bodies, um, you know, uh, immensely. And so, you know, I was stationed here uh, at the unit and put on a team to support that team. I wasn't a Green Beret. These were Green Beret guys. These were your heroes. These were the real deal, uh, you know, fighters that spent the time uh, learning their craft um, and excellence. And so I spent, you know, my, my military experience, I didn't spend it like your regular army guy, but I got to spend it with these guys that were, um, real deal. And, you know, I, I, I came from that really, you know, a quiet professional that's their, uh, that's their MO. Uh, you know, they, they, they see themselves as men who are about the creed and that's defending the, the, the oppressed and going into environments and, uh, you know, relieving people from oppression. And, you know, you don't know that they're there, but they are there. Uh, wow. So I, I had the beauty, the benefit of, of being raised by these guys, if you will, uh, in, my, in my youth. So I was about 20 to 25 at that time. And I came out the Army um, uh, really not ready to live the life that I thought I was going to live. Uh, but that's a story that um, we'll share here shortly after uh, you guys take it from here. Yeah, DeAndre, I want to go back to that decision that you made um, to join the military. Because I'm always wondering what that's like for someone who does that, you know, who who takes the onus themselves. They're going to commit. Did you have any second guess or remorse or what was I thinking moments oh, yeah. when you did oh, that? Certainly I did, of course. Um, because, you know, during the time, I, there was still a waiting period, right? So they 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 signed you up and you got to wait two months to actually um, – go into training usually okay um and you know of course at that time you're wondering what it's going to be like and why you made the decision and i didn't tell anybody in my family i had did this because um you know at the time you know i was on scholarship at northern michigan and I, my grades had dropped and i didn't want to disappoint anyone <clears throat> and so i took it upon my, my myself to to go in and say hey can you 
help me because you know the army is going to help you pay for school as well right um and so uh, but once i made that decision i had about two months to sit on it and yeah it was it was it wasn't a good two months <laughs> just like me i used to the free throw line you know <laughs> Right for sixty days. Wow! So you're so you are um, you made this big decision. You uh, enlist in the in the army. You take some pretty hefty steps in going to airborne school. Oh yeah, U.S. Army Special Forces. I mean, (laughs) yeah, right. We're and and you were you were Special Forces. uh, OD um, Beta was that what it is? OD five two five. So that's Operational Detachment. Units. So that's your operational units that are out on the front lines. These are 12 man teams right. um, that uh, basically have, you know, their own uh, responsibilities uh, within the region that they're that they're living in. And so, yeah, we lived um, in, the, in the Jaff. Uh, this this was during. Um, so we I, I was deployed from 2001 to 2005. It was I was I was back and forth from Iraq back to back to home. Um, and then when 2004 came, that was that was during one of the heated times of the entire war. Um, we were in the job. I was with ODA 525. They had just lost uh, Captain Tarlowski to a, um, a sniper's shot, um, and so they needed that extra body. And that's when that's when I came in, and um, we were living 12 men in a house in the middle of one of the the most um, sacred communities in the. Uh, Muslim community. We were, you know, wow. five miles from the mosque that Prophet Muhammad um, had uh, supposedly grew up out of, and so you know we were, you know, in the heat of the battle, and so it was there for a year. For a year, and my life was never the same. So let me let me just make sure that I understand this correctly. Just for everybody who's list who's listening, when they listen back to this, that you um, became a part of this um, this operational uh, detachment because. Basically, uh, a man man was 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 shot and killed by a sniper. Correct. Who you replaced? Who basically. you replaced? Who I replaced. Correct. Wow. That is some heavy stuff. That's really. Heavy. I mean, I'll just I'll go, I'll just go simple on this question, DeAndre. How did you sleep at night? Well, you know, we didn't because we had to guard our camp. <laughs> we were um, we we lived behind a college, and we um, had a connection with the president. And you know, one of the requirements obviously in this environment is that you have to go into the community and, you know, recruit the locals to support you. And so we had, you know, interviewed several people that were in need of support from um, the U S forces. And, you know, we would, we would provide them resources, food, and um, you know, support for their family, for them to support our camp. But over time, you know, you find out that you're, you're serving, you're helping the enemy, you know? And so um, we had to, you know, you know, divert ourselves from that and, and had to guard our own camp, um, for the remaining of the time. So, um, you know, you were constantly on alert, you're in that environment. There really is, um, it's not a, it's not a natural environment. So, you know, in, in essence, you have to detach yourself from, um, you know, the whole notion that, you know, you're in a normal space. This is really a space where the next moment, next minute is a minute of death either for you or your enemy, this is war. And so you don't have time to even think about um, what could be, right? And that's right. why many of us now are are living emotional lives now that have been 
um, you know, stuffed for years, you know, we're, we're emotionally constipated is what I like to call it. Right. <laughs> right. We had to, we had to hold it for years and now we're living in the communities amongst our neighbors and we're now revealing what we had to hold on to for so long. And it's not easy to do. You're obviously in a, in a, um, a combat zone and a pretty, pretty, uh, intense situation. Um, and you had some pretty intense experiences there. And so a lot of the things that you're talking about, um, are after effects of those experiences. So you went into the military on kind of shaky, shaky ground from a, from a mental standpoint, you're trying to figure out, okay, Trying to generate discipline. Trying, trying to generate discipline. Trying to figure out, okay, once you get in there, you're you're a little bit. Uh, well, I don't know if this was for me, but I'm going to stick it out because that's what I do. You have this ex- extreme experience, and then you come out. So tell us about because I think this is setting up what you're doing right now. Sure. And I think what really what's really important for um, a, a lot of servicemen and women um, like yourself. You're in this situation. These are the kind of the the feelings and the emotions that you have. So now what? Yeah, so now um, I'm out and I'm married. My wife and I were married uh, a year prior to my last deployment. We spent 30 days together and um, I was shipped off and that's when I was in Najaf. I came back home and I tell people I felt like I was uh, downsized because, you know, most, most, well, not most, but all um, transitioning service men and women um, have to go through uh, what they call TAP, the Transitioning Assistance Program. And this is when, you know, you kind of go through all the debriefs and you kind of check off all the list of your equipment and make sure you're okay to go and things of that nature. Well, unfortunately, I didn't have that. When I came home, my deployment, my, my unit, again, because we were hyper-deployed, we were constantly gone. So, you know, my, my contract with the military was a month out when I came home. And so, you know, really, I ran. I got out without <laughs> looking back. And, you know, and that's not um, that is that is uncommon. I take that back. It is uncommon. Um, and and but during the fact that I was in the, the you know enlisted during wartime, um, I'm sure many service members in, had had this experience. Um, so now I'm out and I'm looking for what to do as far as career wise. And um, you know I've always had the acumen to go into environments and sell myself. Um, you know that's some something that you learn quickly in those war times. Um, you know. So I was able to uh, work on um, getting a position with Kaplan Higher Education and Education Sales. And that's really what uh, catapulted me to um, the Baltimore area. I took a promotion. They moved my family here in 2009. Um, Now, mind you, um, I'm still living this uh, life of trauma from uh, my experience in war. And not really having the time to settle and heal because I have to figure out how to live and eat and, and take care of my family, my wife. Um, you know, and that's, this is the story of many. You know, we, we don't have that time and space to really get things together um, because, you know, in all reality, no one's going to, you know, feel sorry for you unless you get it together for yourself. Um, and so we all have to uh, do these, you know, these juggling tricks to, you know, manage the 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 mental uh, you know health of all things life and so here we are um, I'm working you know, six-figure job I'm promoted I'm you know I'm a manager I'm overseeing people and I'm overseeing some of the schools I'm working 12-hour shifts um, I've got two children at this time mind you my wife and I had the babies and um, we're, we're living here in Maryland not we didn't know anybody 
We sold everything we had in Nashville, started all over. And, um, you know, life began to really take a turn for me. Um, you know, when you make those risks, you know, even as, you know, whether you've been traumatized or not, you know, we as humans, we take risks, but, you know, depending on your environment and the, you know, the, the, the what you're dealing with internally, that risk can either take you down or either build you up. And for me, at that time, that risk took me down um, because I didn't have, again, like I stated, I wasn't healthy. I wasn't healthy. And, you know, my whole time was spent trying to juggle this nightmare of dealing with what I had dealt with. And so what was the best thing for me to do? Often what we do is we, we drink or we use drugs. For me, it was, it was drinking. I was drinking on the job. I was waking up in the morning, going to the store, waking, waiting for it to open at 9 o'clock to get a six-pack, you know. And I'm in a, wow. I'm in a high-energy sales job. So, you know, the pressure's there. I had just bought a home, uh, you know. So it was on me. And the pressure came to, to a point where, again, I just I was emotionally constipated and I burst it. And um, one night, it uh, was in 2012, I believe it was, um, I had drank way too much, and I came home. And one thing you, you'll learn quickly about many of us veterans who've been through the ropes, um, we despise isolation. We really want to be in the community. Um, and, you know, we're fully transparent, and um, we truly want to share the reality, the index of our lives, because we want to see others overcome um, and we want them to know that they don't have to commit suicide. Um, and so this night I was, I had drank too much. My wife at that time, uh, when she knew that happened, I, I wasn't, I was never physically abusive to her. I was always just angry. I would yell and shout and she would find herself very scared mm -hmm. and she would take the kids and, you know, um, find a place of safety. Um, and during this night I had called, um, the, the crisis line for support. And um, over the course of the night, um, I had passed out sleep. And um, I had get here uh, banging on my door and a uh, loud bullhorn and uh, um, lights flashing in my window and immediately realized that, you know, this was a serious situation. And I had to make myself known and available. Come to find out, um, Baltimore County police had pretty much um, – had set up a control center across the street from my home. I had called 40 of my neighbors. Um, and, and, and here's what I tell people. This is, this is what they have to do. They don't know what they're dealing with. They don't know who is on the other end of that, um, that issue. Um, and so, you know, all they know is that I served in the special forces group and I, I have, you know, a history of being in the military. So they have to take all precautions. Right. And, um, they did just that and they, and they, um, made my neighbors aware. And, um, here I am now, um, at home out in the front yard, you know, hands up being sure, uh, that if I made the wrong move, I'd be in trouble. I wasn't in trouble. Um, but they were there to help me and take me to uh, a place of safety. And so, um, that turned my tape, that turned my life around, man, that really, um, put me in a place where I had to internally, I had to now include my community in this pain that I had uh, been holding onto. And um, they call that, you know, moral uh, injury where, um, you know, many of us are coming home and dealing with all this, this trauma and we are in the community. And uh, because we're so magnanimous, we want to 
be in the community open about ourselves and we find ourselves uh, falling short sometimes and falling harder than most. Um, and so I'm here to tell people that you're not, you know, your worst, you know, uh, decision. Um, you're not the index of your, um, your last bad, you know, your last bad choice. Um, but you are, you are what you are going to be um, once you uh, decide that um, you are better than what you thought you were in that place of pain. You got, you're very fortunate that um, things didn't turn out worse from either side. And, and I can, I can just tell as you're, ta- as you're telling the story, I mean, it's still fairly raw for you, but you've, you've um, come to grips with it. Yes, sir. Because it's, it's, it's not just my story. It's everyone. I mean, there's, there's Luke and, and Tom, let me be honest with you. This is not, this is not, um, I'm not um, a, an anomaly. Many of us are struggling in the same dynamic, in the same domain where, um, for example, in Barrow County, Florida, we just had a veteran that has been in the community very outspoken and supportive of the veteran initiative commit suicide wow you know well, you and, know deandre you know uh, and, and you're uh, you know I, I incredible compelling stuff you just shared and and i really we, we both of us appreciate your transparency on it but this all comes to the, these mass shootings that we're seeing in in you know schoolyards and and places of work and malls and so many times it seems seemingly the 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 uh, perpetrator has a military background, and it just told me that wow, that this whole post traumatic you know must be really real to go through. And Tom, it's it's I tell people you know we have as you know our society has a very good way of ignoring the obvious. Yeah, <laughs> you know trauma is a real deal in this country, and it's been prevalent throughout you know the time that. Our forefathers signed the inscription, and um, you know, from the time of Civil War, 100 years ago, when men came back from war, you know, they were traumatized. They just didn't know how to put a name on it, and so, you know, now it's been romanticized. It's everywhere on TV, but yet you still have that veteran that lives with it daily, and many of them don't don't come out on top. Like uh, I'm not saying I'm on top. I'm still getting through it. But many of them don't find themselves in the spaces that I've been able to get through and many others that have been able to accomplish and come, overcome some of the struggles. And that's simply based on the fact that they don't have a community around them, which, again, oftentimes is, you know, we find ourselves isolated um, because that's the next thing to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the I think the number um, as as recently as September of, uh, of last year um, put it at something like 17 veteran suicides a day. Oh my God. Well, so is this, is this a, is, is this like a cancer? Is it a terminal syndrome that you, that's, you'll never completely go away and you have to carry or how, how, how do you yeah, look at yourself? I, yeah. Pain is never, pain is never buried dead. It's buried alive and mm-hmm. it demands to be fed every day and you have to choose what you're going to feed that pain. It's managed. It's managed. Okay. Yeah. That's a good word. Right. Yep. Exactly right. Um, and, that's where the challenge comes in in defining what the management is. Okay, is it? I'm, am I crazy because I'm managing my health? Right. <laughs> Most people think, well, if you're talking about health management, or if you're talking about, you know, you know, taking care of your emotional capacity, or if you're living this out, 
uh, then obviously there must be some internal issues. But yeah, we all have that. I think it's just a matter of us educating our community and each other on how the solutions are lived out every day. It's just that, you know, trauma is relative. You know, of course, if you're in a combat zone, the compounded you know level of trauma is going to be a hundred times more than you know a kid. Um, well, unfortunately, sometimes let's say in Baltimore City, you have kids that are you know living in a homicide-rich area. Um, you know, so trauma is daily lived out there. How how have how have, how did you start to manage the pain and the trauma? Um, personally, yeah. and and how have you been um, helping others manage the pain and trauma um, sure. through AGX Group and Bunker Labs? Yeah. So the company, after I got out of the hospital, when I had um, spent time in the VA, I went in close to 190 pounds, came out close to 300 pounds. Wow. Oh, yeah. And a lot of that is due to um, just a lot of sedentary, you know, you know, activity. There's not much movement. There's a lot of group classes and a lot of talk therapy. Um, and so, you know, you come out, you know, a lot of times they try to figure, you know, you're, you're, you're sometimes you're, uh, you're eating a lot of sugar and you're doing a lot of uh, lack of activity. And so uh, for me, I knew I had the act, acumen to get back to, to life physically. So I had immediately got back into physical activity, which again, many of us can do, but many of us, um, depending on your support you know you may not have the resources or the or the the transportation or the access to do that which i did thankfully um and so from there i began to lose weight and get my life back and i started to do research on really the standards of care um, across the country you know 85 percent of our healthcare expenditures are spit, spent on um chronic pain which in essence is it's it's all about behavior management, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I discovered that in 2016, the Comprehensive Addiction and Recovery Act was passed. I started uh, AGX in 2015 after coming out, and I decided, you know, I want to be a part of the solution, um, and um, started the company with the premise of being a federally certified uh, veteran-owned small business. Uh, which gives me access to contracting opportunities within the federal space that most companies won't have. Um, and so I began to compete for those opportunities while doing research on uh, delivering uh, health care um, and an integrative approach through complementary alternative medicines. And so I started to go to the VA here locally, Baltimore, D.C., and share my story and talk about uh, what I discovered and how uh, the Comprehensive Addiction and Recovery Act required the VHA. Um, they were directives passed, legislative directives passed, in which uh, they discovered that complementary alternative medicines, i.e. yoga, tai chi, uh, massage therapy, acupuncture, chiropractic services, these things were really working in the community uh, for veterans, and uh, they are now uh, allowable um, with to, to be prescribed in their care package. And so... Um, with that came, of course, the responsibility being that the VHA, the Veterans Health Administration, is both payer and provider. Um, they have to provide a full circle solution for that veteran population. And so, um, as you all know, the federal government doesn't do business with itself. Uh, that's the beauty of America's failed trade. You can start a company and, uh, you know, provide toilet paper and the government will provide it. It will buy it from you if you know how to market it to them. Right. Um, and so... 
um, that's what I began to do. I began to uh, build my relationship internally with the VA here to support them in providing um, the, the, the personnel, the Tai Chi instructors, the yoga instructors, the okay. acupuncturists um, here in the Maryland area. And in 2018, I signed a memorandum of understanding with the VA Maryland Healthcare System in which we would support them in delivering what they call uh, the whole health model of care. So the VA has always been a leader in delivering uh, the next best thing in, in care across the world. And so their decision to change their model of care from an allopathic delivery model, you know, from a disease-based model to a whole health model in which it's all person-centered driven now. And that's just what they're saying is we want to equip you um, to take control of your life. We don't want to we don't want you to be dependent on opioids. We don't want you to depend, be dependent on, uh, you know, you know, our direct service. We want, we want you to tell us what works for you, and then we're going to give you the resources to make that happen. And so, again, um, being that they are a payer and provider of these services, they're going to need the support of private companies to provide these services. And so that's what AGX is. We're, we're a privately owned firm. Uh, we've been awarded over 20 contracts within this space and currently have 12 active, uh, both, um, well, with the VA uh, with the VHA, the DOD, and the Department of Defense. I'm um, sorry, the Department of Homeland Security. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, we're made a name for ourselves here in the D.C. area, um, simply based on the fact that boots on the ground, again, we are magnanimous to our approach and all of this, and that veterans, we feel we have the solution to what is necessary within this space. Um, and the, 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 the competition that we are up against are against, of course, your larger private firms that are providing the services that we want to provide um, in an alternative manner. You know, DeAndre, I want to, for a minute, before I forget, can we go back to that situation where the police were at your front door in the neighborhood sure. and and, they were, and the neighbors were forewarned? How, how did you yeah. mend those or, or, or how, <laughs> the acceptance of those relationships that you had with your neighbors? I mean, I'm sure they appreciated what you went through, but was that a tough process to work through? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I immediately uh, knew that I had to make amends. And so um, I had, um, I was a part of our, our neighborhood watch. And so I, um, I reached out to the neighborhood president and I asked him if I could host a meeting at my house. And so um, they allowed me to do so. And I opened up my heart to them at the meeting and made them aware of who I was and, and what the issue was all about. And they, you know, Baltimore is a, is a city of neighborhoods. Yeah, people, it is. Yeah. People stay in their homes for 50 plus years. And so, um, you know, they, they corralled around us and they continue to corral around us. And that was really uh, a healing uh, bomb for me. Um, and I tell people across the world, man, you make that mistake, you, you confess to it because it's, it's going to make great ripples throughout the world. And I think our community is better for it. And I, I got to imagine too that, that, for a lot of them during that meeting, that was eye-opening for them because a lot of them probably didn't know oh, the journey know. that you had gone Everybody's on. was in their own world. Yeah, they, yeah, you're right, Tom. They were in their world. They didn't know they had a veteran that dealt with what he was dealing with in their neighborhood. Yeah, oh, amazing. AGX, um, that's been running for how long now? So I started AGX in 2015. We're five years old, and um, we are building or growing. We have partners, subject matter experts that have joined our team across the health science space. And um, we have contracts nationwide. And here recently, um, Bunker Labs is a national nonprofit. They have over 35 chapters in the country. 
Um, Bunker Labs, what they do is they support the ecosystem, uh, the veteran space in each community, major cities, um, those individuals who are transitioning, who transition like me, um, who are considering entrepreneurship, who may not have that full-time job when they get out, um, and they need that, that plumb line of support um, that's going to be really centric to the community that they're in. And so what they do is they go into these communities and they find veterans um, like myself who are in the space, who are uh, championing veteran causes and um, who have the desire to uh, promote the brand nationally. Um, and so they sought myself out and my partner who has not been announced yet, but I can announce her here. Her name is Dr. Uh, Denise Bacon. She's a retired colonel. Um, and her specialty is <laughs> she's actually uh, written several books on um, the biomechanical issues of the um, Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Oh, wow. Um, oh, that's heavy stuff. <laughs> um, so these are, yeah, these, and you, you live in this DMV area. That's the people you're dealing with at this level, you know. We're surrounded by, you know, the world's, you know, 35 plus research agencies. And these research agencies are all driven uh, to develop the Nesbex thing um, in the DOD space and in the healthcare space. And so um, they, they sought us out to build and to develop uh, Baltimore City's first chapter. And we um, are truly excited about what, um, what we have to offer and what uh, the city is, is uh, uh, going to bring. And we've already seen so much support from several federal or uh, state agencies and federal agencies looking to bring um, this new dynamic to the city. You know, DeAndre, remember earlier in the podcast, I asked you about um, if you second guess that decision when you committed to go to the military and then you had the three months just doing it. When you looking back, was this just your fate? Are you are you glad this happened that way or did oh, you, you kind of figure? Believe it. Or maybe you should have. I wish I wouldn't gone through all this. How do you look at your I life? Think about my first tour in uh, Jordan. Uh, we were in the we were in the Western Desert prior to the war even kicking off, <laughs> and I was assigned a mission to deliver a Stingray missile um, with a with a uh, another partner of mine and a two a four door um, uh, Beater. I don't even know what kind of vehicle it was, but it had multi. It was you know vehicles out there in the Middle East always has always had multicolored for some reason. But here we are delivering the Stingray missile in the middle of the desert, just he and I driving in the open wind, right, listening to the radio, um, you know, locked, cocked, and ready to go. I think about that endlessly, and I see where I am now. And Tom, you're correct. I would I would never take it back. I, I thank God for the experience and I, I thank God for the experience that uh, I lived through and uh, for the people that, that um, have shown mercy, right. Uh, to me in my life to allow me to live again and, and to build again. Um, and, you know, the military and the, uh, the brotherhood that I've, that I've gained from that, um, you know, it's, it's remarkable, man. And I thank God that I did sign that dotted line. Wow. That's really, that's yeah. really powerful. So, yeah. Tom and I were talking with DeAndre Wells, uh, U.S. Army retired sergeant. He's doing some great work with veterans with um, a couple of different groups, um, Bunker Labs. And what's the name of your company again? American Group Contracts, AGX LLC is the legal name. Um, you can look us up, www.agxgroup.org. That's Apple Gothic Xavier. That's fantastic. Uh, so I have a couple of questions related. Uh, number one, how do you 
how do you advise people, um, just normal civilians uh, like Tom, Tom and I, and how to talk to and um, um, and interact um, in a meaningful way with with veterans, especially veterans who are going th- going through stuff that um, you guys aren't a, a fountain for, for telling um, you know crazy war stories like it's an action movie. You know, like these are real people who have gone yeah. through some real stuff. Real people that have gone through some real stuff, and being that you all are blue collar guys, um, <laughs> you know, you get it. These are these are blue collar issues that they come home with, and so you know they need that third place. They need that place where you know they can have the space to share their stories and um, and let it let it just be that you know, and 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 let it not be something um, that is so all struck or amazing but you know these guys are in gales um are recovering um for the sole purpose of wanting to live like you in essence right uh, they want to be normal so so to speak but you know they did it for you and they want to they want to they want to uh, and they may, they need you we need you we need our community we need people like you and tom who are uh who are asking these questions who have opened the door and say hey you know Come into our space, broadcast what it means and what it, what we can do uh, to make the world a better place for veterans. You know, um, I, I have one question about as, as far as the syndrome that you go through. I mean, um, can it be a delayed thing where it might where you, you seem like everything's normal, but then maybe ten years later it shows up, or how does it? What's the time yeah. frame on? It's it's a it's a it's a delayed. Um, it's a buildup over time. It's because it's a, yeah, it's compounded trauma that yeah. um, over time doesn't allow you once you get into this community back into the integrative you know, back into your world of okay. civilian. You really don't have time to deal with it, and so um, you know you look up and you think there's a there's a book called The Dark Side of Leadership, and it talks about how we're all driven by our trauma. Right, the young, the, the astronaut who drove 20 hours from um, Houston uh, or to Houston in a diaper. I don't want to offend anyone, but it speaks to how you know this lady was a phenomenal scientist, but yet internally she had dealt with so much trauma that she would she would find herself in a diaper driving 20 hours, right? And so it speaks to that truth that for years many of us are driven by pain that you know we allowed to drive us and so a lot of us are driving are being driven by this pain and then oftentimes that that pain explodes in environments that require us to really get our lives together and oftentimes guys and gals don't end up in the situation i did because a lot of them are rotating either out of jail or back into the hospital because they don't have that support is it safe to say too that that you know there's servicemen and women who are going through this stuff who are still in active duty? Most certainly. Yeah. And that's, that's where it all begins. That's where it begins and ends. Honestly, if you don't have, and that's where the government, that's where the country, the cut, the, trust me, the, the, the DOD, um, they understand that they need to make changes there at that point in time. They, they are working with, you know, subject matter experts and private companies and, and, and internally to figure out how to change their transitional methods to bring real-time, um, you know, s- civilian world, you know, solutions a year or maybe two years prior to them getting out. Um, you know, there there has to be a, a, a new way of doing things. And so, are, are the resources there enough? 
oh yeah, the resources are there with President Trump in the house. He's done. Um, and again, I'm not won't trying to offend anyone. I'm just speaking truth to um, where the dollars are. Um, the dollars have been given to uh, the DOD immensely um, to make changes. And we have seen several um, agencies within the DOD, i.e. the Department of Veteran Affairs, um, where they've been given, um, they have a new mission act. And that is a multi-billion dollar uh, um, allocated uh, program where Congress has allowed funds to go towards rename, just revamping the entire system. They're saying this is no longer your, your grandfather's VA. Um, so yeah, it's out there. And that's what we're contending for as service disabled veteran owned small businesses and as veterans in this space. Yeah. We're contending for that new money because we're the ones that's, you know, we, we want to deliver these new solutions. We, we believe again that we are the ones that could really make the change. Well, I think, I think veterans issues and, and taking care of our, our veterans is definitely a, a nonpartisan issue. Yeah, I mean, right. yes, sir. yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, you're doing great work. You have and a lick of common sense. You're going to agree that, with that. That's right. That's right. So, um, what can, what can normal average, average human beings do to, to, to help this cause? So regarding your local community, um, I would definitely look at those grassroots um, nonprofits or private companies um, that are doing their best to make a name for themselves. And oftentimes you'll find them um, involved with other veteran service organizations. Um, and you often, you'll often find them at small business events or networking events. Um, and then of course, from the national level, uh, you know, organizations like Bunker Labs, um, you know, who they have chapters in 35 uh, states and they're planning to have chapters in every major city uh, in the next two or three years. Um, you know, find that, lo that local city leader. And we have uh, what we call Bunker Brews. We have eight events, eight to 10 events each year. Um, and these are happy hour events where we all come together and we talk. Um, the, the events are uh, topic-driven events. We have subject matter experts and national leaders who come and talk and support uh, the the veterans' initiatives from um, the ecosystem perspective, in which uh, we're, we're we're helping people from zero to ten in their trans in their um, uh, transition. Uh, and we need every community leader and every entrepreneur, um, every city leader, to be a part of this because, in essence, we believe that the veteran community. Um, just based on numbers alone, 49% um, of your your Vietnam vets, when they left, they started businesses. They were entrepreneurs. Your Korean vets was 40%. Um, somewhere now, your younger vets, it's 17% it's, it's, it's if lower. Um, and, you know, many of those Vietnam vets that started those businesses, those are Fortune 500 companies now. Right. Right. And, and these, are, these are, we can do this again. And that's what we're trying to accomplish nationwide. And building a true ecosystem to support our communities with that, that, uh, that real vigorous veteran fight that we have. Well, that's a spectacular mission that, that you're on and oh, that yeah. you're very, taking part very of. Very inspiring. Yeah. I have, I have, uh, one, well, uh, one of uh, a few final questions for you. Um, <laughs> Ask away. I'm here for you. My so friend. I have my, anything for a fellow Trojan. You know that. <laughs> so, um, He's inquisitive. I, this question is 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 slightly tongue in cheek, but it is it is a real thing, and I I'm curious to know how you feel, how you personally feel, um, being so um, involved in these issues and and knowing the trauma um, itself when um, 
you know, people on social media and whatnot just kind of casually use it, use the term um, PTSD? Yeah. Um, again, the best thing to do for all of us is to talk to um, your your local uh, each each VA um, has a what they call a community based outpatient clinic. Um, and each clinic is there specifically for the veteran calls. Those are for veterans who, for example, may live in Lansing, Michigan, um, but the next closest VA hospitals in Detroit, right? So they have local clinics there that have informational sessions and um, sometimes events for the community to learn about the veteran calls um, and to learn about the language. And you can go to the VA's website. They have, they have, um, uh, documents and, and readables where you can learn about what really um, what what the space is and the language that's that's that that can be used and learning more about how to be um, you know empathetic and sympathetic to the call. Oh, so your recommendation is to is just is to learn about and really educate yourself on um, on the issue at hand, so people don't uh, make the mistake of just being casual about using that phrase is that to understand yeah, that because again the issue is 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 relative right not not every veteran um is dealing with ptsd at the level that i have and some have dealt through it at, the, at, at a higher level than i have some have lost limbs and you know and so you know it's always going to be relative to that individual um so the best thing to do is to get you know first and foremost, comfortable with the local, uh, you know, dynamics of that veteran population. Veterans in Texas, they love playing guitars, right? We have a contract out there at the VA in Texas, and, you know, the guys out there love it. They, you know, it's easy to, you know, be around guys in Texas. If you got a guitar, go play a guitar with these guys. And right. Team, it's different. Um, but that's, that's, that's something that um, is common amongst the spaces that you could find the veterans in these environments of arts or, entertainment and you know oftentimes that's that's where many of us find that common ground well that's a that's really great feedback and um your response is is very very pragmatic is that you know I, um you know i asked the question from from this viewpoint of um you know i don't I'm not necessarily judgmental about people who do that, but I it does make me shake my head because, you know, the somebody having quote unquote PT, PTSD because they had to wait in a long line at the grocery store. Do, they, is, do you use it in a negative term? Or is that what no, no, no. Yeah, like it, it, literally, like like oh, you know what? This um, waiting for this popcorn to pop is giving me PTSD. Oh, I see. You know, so yeah. like that throwaway comment is yeah. and, and it's trying to get people to understand that like look, I I understand what they're doing and I understand right. look. I get it. I understand. The ha-ha it. Part is just right. Annoying. But yeah, and like I heard someone make a mention, like a rapper said, you know, I being a rapper is just as dangerous as it is being a a veteran in combat theater. You know, that that again, mm. I think what you're saying, Luke, is we, we throw it around so much. And that's why it's so diluted and veterans are not taken seriously. I agree. But yes. You know, what? Yeah. I, you know I, so I, I got to throw this in because I always appreciate this, you know, <clears throat> at I attend the University of Michigan football and basketball games, member of the media, and I'm a Michigan alum and fan. So I'm always at the games. But I were, and, and people can say about what they say about Michigan, but they have this moment of every football game, every, every basketball game, they introduce a former military person who served, uh, who has a connection to the University of Michigan. And the crowd reaction, everybody stands up. 
everybody stands up and claps. It's amazing. And it, it's a feel-good moment, I think. And no matter if their team's behind, it doesn't matter. Everybody takes that moment and shows appreciation. So you got to feel good about that. Of course. And, and go blue. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great university. There you go. It's not, as good as, it's not as good as Sparty, but... Well, we'll stop there, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, we were speaking with DeAndre Wells, uh, U.S. Army retired, um, Army Special Forces Sergeant, uh, AGX Group, Bunker Labs. DeAndre, you're doing a lot of great work on behalf of veterans. Um, we're really great that you um, shared your story with us. Um, you were extremely honest and raw. It was oh, powerful. Awesome. Um, we really appreciate you, and we re- really appreciate appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Um Tell us, tell us what's what's next um, on the horizon for Bunker Labs and for a, uh, for AGX sure. Group. Yeah, so for um, for AGX, um, we recently submitted a proposal for a large ten year, twenty five billion dollar contract vehicle within the VA space. So, wow. we're crossing and praying our fingers on that one. Yeah, um, crossing and praying our fingers. Bunker <laughs> Labs, we have our launch party is going to be June. Um, of this year in Baltimore, we've got several partners that are working with us to allow us to use their space. So, you know, we're kind of having to select the best. And, and, you know, that's just, again, that speaks to what you all are speaking, the support that we've been receiving in the veteran space has been immense. So um, we'll see, you'll see us. And that's, in essence, as a DC uh, Baltimore face out here, you'll see me on the national scale making changes for this. Well, we can't wait for that. Yeah, we can't wait for that. Thank you both for what well, you're doing. Well, thank uh, you for what you've Lansing. done and what you're continuing to do. We thank you for your service, and we thank you yeah. for everything you're doing for veterans right now. God bless, my brothers. Take care. Thank you so much. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Taking the Next Level with Luke Miller and Tom Crawford. We thank you again for listening in. As usual, you can find us on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you, and until next time.